what your purpose and plan is for their life. And we do this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, good morning, Lake Church. All right, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to conclude this uh, three-week series on prayer. Um, and uh, really excited about sharing with you today. You know, uh, <clears throat> I think I've said this last week as well, but uh, whenever I was, you know, felt the Lord leading me to teach on prayer, I, you know, I designed the graphic and picked the name so that I could veil the meaning of the series because people don't tend, usually tend to get too excited about prayer. Um, you know, you have prayer meeting, not a whole lot of people tend to show up usually for that. But we should be excited about prayer. If we understood, and I was talking to somebody between the services about what I ministered on last service, and we're talking about how that you can tend to not, in, you know, engage in the prayer that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, we just tend to kind of begin to faint in regard to that, and we don't operate in it like we could. And I believe a lot of the reason why is that we forget the benefit uh, of what prayer provides for us, and, and we forget what prayer really is about. So many people have religious ideas of prayer, and they really they pray to check off a box in order to make God impressed or happy with them. It's just a religious obligation to a lot of people. But when you understand that prayer is actually the means by which God and man partner together in establishing God's will on earth as it is in heaven, well, that's a lot bigger than just a religious exercise or something that we do as a way to try and please God. You know, we are actually partnering together with God through prayer and bringing his will his kingdom on earth, his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been talking about prayer the last few weeks. And I started out with Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, which Jesus was praying. His disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so um, I talked about the fact that we have to be humble and recognize that we don't know everything. I mean, that's one of the biggest hindrances to, no, to learning anything is recon, recognizing that you don't already know everything. So many of us, we, we shut off access to revelation because we think we've arrived and we already know everything. We have to humble ourselves and realize that uh, we need to be taught, and it may be things you've already heard, but reminded about the truths, biblical principles in the Word of God uh, in regard to prayer. Because here's the thing. The moder in the modern church, we have bought into the idea that knowledge is intellectual, but knowledge, biblical knowledge isn't intellectual, it's experiential. So anything you're not operating in, you don't know. In the Hebrew or the Greek, I believe it is, maybe both, the word hear is the same word for doing. So you haven't heard and you don't know until you're doing what the word says. And so many times we deceive ourselves. We know things intellectually and we think, oh, I, I know that. But we're not doing it. 
And so we really don't know it. And so we have to humble ourselves and ask the Lord to teach us to pray. And we talked that first week about how that uh, the first purpose for prayer is just communion with God. We need to know the Lord. You know, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, which Eden means presence, uh, his whole purpose was that they would have fellowship and communion. Because, you know, all the things that we use prayer for, asking for our needs and binding and loosing and exercising authority over the devil and all that stuff, they didn't have any lack. They didn't have any sicknesses to pray for healing for. They didn't, they didn't have all the things that we have in the fallen world. So all they had was simply communion and fellowship with God. And I think we've missed it because we've forsaken the first thing and we've gone after God's hand without having God's heart. And the first thing God wants is for us to just know him. Because the object of our faith shouldn't be the thing we need. It should be the God who provides the things that we need. In fact, when we enter into the prayer of thanksgiving and praise, we actually cultivate the environment that causes God's presence to be manifested in our life. And then, supernaturally, a lot of our needs are just met without us even praying about them. Amen. And that was the environment we were created to live in was the presence of God. And so we talked about that the first week. Second week, we talked about the petition prayer. You know, in Ephesians 6.18, it says this, pray at all times with all kinds of prayers. That means there's more than one kind. And the, um, the kingdom of God is governed by laws. So God doesn't... Uh, the laws that govern God's kingdom... When we cooperate with them, then we're able to bring things God has blessed us with spiritually into manifestation in the natural realm. Because listen, God blesses us spiritually. It's by our faith that we receive it physically. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But we have to, by faith manifest or receive those spiritual things into our natural life in order to have the benefit of them. And so we were talking about the prayer of petition last week. And in John chapter 16, Jesus said this in verse 23. He said that in that day, because he was talking to them about him going away and the Holy Spirit coming. He said, in that day, you won't ask me for anything. But whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Oh, this was revolutionary for the disciples. They had been dependent on Jesus for everything in regard to their spiritual life. But now Jesus is introducing a new thing, a new way of relating to God. Not just as God, but as Father. And access to him in such a way that they could ask him personally for things in the name of Jesus and he would answer their prayers. Oh man, we don't, see, we don't get that. Because listen, we've grown up in, under this new covenant. We're, we're actually spoiled and we don't really realize the blessing that we live under today because we didn't live under the other covenant. They, had, they didn't even worship God for themselves. They had priests that worshiped God for them. 
They had no access to God. They lived in the time when there was separation between God and man. The whole, ta- the whole point of the tabernacle was to show that you have no access to God because of sin. But Jesus was talking about a new day that was about to dawn. Because he was going to die on the cross, shed his blood. He was going to justify us by his sacrifice, by offering his life in our place so that we could be reconciled. Our sins could be forgiven. We could be justified in his sight. We could be made the righteousness of God. And we could be reconciled to a right relationship with our Father where we had access to him 24-7, 365 for the rest of our lives. That he was going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us and give us personal and intimate relationship and fellowship with God. And that's what he did. By his death, burial, and resurrection, he has reconciled us to God. Oh, to where we have access to the Father in Jesus' name. But you know, under the old covenant, they didn't have that. And so I wanted to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and kind of look at the conditions that they lived under then just so you can appreciate a little bit what we have now. In in Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Then I returned and considered all the oppression that is done unto the Son. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors there is power, but they have no comforter. You know, under the old covenant, uh, there was no protection other than them living according to the law. And if they obeyed, hearkened diligently to obey all of the commands of God under the law, then all of the blessings would overtake them and none of the curses. But if they got out from under the protection of that covenant, then the curses would come upon them. And you know... He's talking about these human oppressors here. But we know, because we have revelation from the new covenant, that behind every human oppressor is a spiritual entity that is inspiring and empowering that oppression. And see, that's why in the Old Testament there's not much talk or much revealed about the devil. Because there was nothing they could do about him. Other than just try to walk... In holiness, that was their only protection. They didn't have authority over the devil. They couldn't exercise that authority in the name of Jesus. It wasn't given yet. So let's look at Isaiah 59. They had no comforter, which means helper. They had no one to help them in that. So in Isaiah 59, tells us something else here. Isaiah 59, verse 14. So that really, Solomon was looking at all the people of the world. They were all oppressed. You know, without Christ, we are all walking according to the course of this world, and we are being dominated and led about by the spirit of disobedience. We've heard that before, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That's our condition outside of Christ. And then in uh, Isaiah 59 and 14, he's talking about God's people. And because they had turned from God, this is the condition of their time. It says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. 
So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. You know, it says God wondered that there was no man. Why, why a man? Because there has to be a human being on earth that God has to work through. Because in Genesis 1, when God created mankind, he gave dominion to men. So God has to work through men in order to have his will done and established on the earth. And God needs a man. He needs an intercessor. It says that in Ezekiel chapter 22, he said, I sought for a man who would make up the hedge and would stand in the gap, but I didn't find one. Man, it's a bleak situation under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, God has a man. The mediator, the only mediator between God and man Christ Jesus is our intercessor. We have a comforter now. You know, Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 16 that he was going to send the helper who is the comforter. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and he ever lives to make intercession for us. We ha God has a comforter. He has an intercessor that he sent here for us. We don't have to live under the oppression of our enemies now. We have the ability to be overcomers and more than conquerors through him who loved us. But the Bible also says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because we can't participate in what we don't understand. And so we need to understand how prayer works. You know, prayer is governed by big biblical laws, biblical principles. And we can't be successful in fulfilling our purpose if we don't know how to pray according to biblical principles. You know, you can pray and just pray to be praying and not see results. Anybody ever prayed and not really saw the results? Yeah. <laughs> That's because, not because God didn't want to answer. That's what most people think. I pray, I don't see the results. God must have said no, or he just didn't want to answer. He, I didn't pray hard enough to persuade him. You know, I tried to get some more people. I thought if I got enough people, we could just badger God long enough that he would finally say, okay, 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 I'll give in. I'll give you what you want. <laughs> that's not the way God works. Listen, if there's something that's not his will, he's not going to give it to you no matter how much you beg. He's not like we are as earthly parents. Our kids bother us about something long enough. We finally just go, just give it to them. Just give it to them. No, God doesn't work that way. God answers prayer based on legal standing. And now because of Jesus being our intercessor, we have legal standing before God to bring his will to pass on the earth. So we have so much living under the new and better covenant established on better promises. So I want to look at another aspect of prayer in Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Jesus is our intercessor, and we have a comforter, a helper. That's what's going to be revealed in these verses that we're going to look at here. Now, Romans 8, 
is uh, in context, it's talking about the spirit-filled life. And, uh, you know, it's revealing all of the benefits that we have through the Holy Spirit. All that we now, we live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That we can walk after the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Meaning not, not that Jesus has part of the inheritance. We have the other part. We share the same inheritance that Jesus does because of our union with him. And the Holy Spirit also gives us hope for the future promise that we have of a glorified body. You know, that our redemption is not complete. You know, when we were saved, our spirit was redeemed and made brand new, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, behold, all things become new. Our spirit was saved. Our soul is being saved, just like James talks about, that our soul is saved. Our, our mind, will, and emotions, as it's renewed to the word of God, it's being saved. But in the future, we have a promise of our physical body being glorified and saved. Oh, that what's already on the inside begins to manifest on the outside. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was up there and the glory of God that was within him began to emanate out and he shone with light. That's what's going to happen to you someday. Oh, hallelujah. But until then, we have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit who's given to us to help us, as we're going to read here in a second, in our weaknesses because of our flesh. So it says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, in the uh, King James, in the New King James, the words, the will of, are not there. They're italicized because they weren't in the original language. So what that actually says is he makes intercession for us according to God. Oh, man, that's a huge difference. It means that he prays for us according to God. If God was to pray for you, how he would pray. I'm talking about the omniscient God who knows everything about your present life and the plans that he has for your life. Because you know there's a book written about you in heaven, a book of your life, and he wrote it. And he knows everything that's in it. So he knows where you're at and he knows how to get you back on the plan. <laughs> and whatever's going on in your life, he already knows the steps that you need to take to get right back in the perfect will of God so that you can see his will on earth in your life as it is in heaven. According to God. Let me ask you this question. If God could just pray for you, you think that would be an advantage? <laughs> Instead of you praying for yourself, what if God could just, what if he just said, just step back here, I'll take care of this. Then I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. I'll pray for you. You think that'd be advantageous? Oh man, that is what intercession is all about. 
It's about God praying and not just for us, but through us when we don't know how we ought to pray. He says in verse 26, the spirit helps. This word helps. If you've been around the teaching movement and stuff, you've definitely heard this before. It means one who comes along beside and takes hold together with you. That means the Holy Spirit comes along beside you and helps you to pray because he knows what you don't know. Amen. He helps. In fact, this is uh, the only other time I believe in the New Testament this is used, this word for helps, is when Mary and Martha, Jesus was in the house. Martha was working. Mary was sitting at his feet. And uh, Martha said, Lord, tell her to help me. In other words, tell her to come alongside me and bear this burden with me. You know, sometimes we're burdened down with things of life that we need to pray about, but we don't understand everything that's involved and what needs to happen in order for us to overcome in that situation. Well, the Holy Spirit will come along beside you and bear that burden with you in prayer and pray the perfect will of God when you don't even understand what that is. Oh man, if we could understand the the power of this supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit, I think we would definitely depend on it a whole lot more. The word intercession. You know, one of the things I found in the helps word studies is that it means to obtain something by hitting the mark, hitting the bullseye. How many of you ever felt like, you know, you've shot some prayers up and you've missed? Well, I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit don't miss. When you let the Holy Spirit make intercession for you, he hits the bullseye every time. Every time he hits the bullseye. He comes to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here because a lot of people have different ideas of what this means. But this is talking about the supernatural ability to pray in tongues. Some people say, well, no, this is groanings because in the, in the English... Uh, King James, Jesus groaned at the uh, tomb of Lazarus. But it's a different Greek word than the one that's used here. This is talking about praying. Jesus groaned before he exercised the prayer of faith. He groaned in the spirit. This is talking about the supernatural uh, aspect of prayer where the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to God bypassing our own natural understanding when we don't know how we ought to pray. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Hallelujah. I'm believing some people are going to get something today that's going to transform their life. Let me tell you something. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in other tongues, that transformed my life more than getting saved did. In my experience, let me say that. When I was born again in the unseen, my spirit man, he was delivered from the authority of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. I was justified in the sight of God. But I'm telling you, whenever I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he made me like a different man. I, was a, I had a boldness and an ability to step out and do things that I couldn't do before in the natural 
Oh man, Jesus said this. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Not just to do witness and to be my witnesses. Oh man. And I'm telling you that when we get the Holy Spirit operating through our life, there's things that uh, he can do through us that we could never, ever, ever, ever hope to do on our own. In fact, the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross so that we could be forgiven and justified in the sight of God was that we would be cleansed as a temple for the Holy Spirit. It was the whole purpose of it. It wasn't just to get us to heaven. It was to get heaven in us. Oh, man, but religious teaching has put the emphasis on going to heaven, but living a powerless, a hopeful yet powerless life here on the earth. But Jesus' whole intention was that we would replicate his life and ministry. Oh, man. And Jesus, I wasn't going to talk about this, but Jesus did not do his ministry on earth as, a, as God. He did it as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know, he never did a miracle before he was baptized in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit came upon him. If he was God, why would he have needed an anointing? The anointing is God. <laughs> the anointing is the ability of God. If he was operating as God, he wouldn't have needed an anointing. But he did what he did because legally... Men have authority on earth. Which is why God needs us involved in this intercessory ministry. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit does it for us. It says that he comes alongside and helps us to do it. Why? Because God can't just come into the world as God and destroy the works of the devil. It would be illegal. Why? Because he would be violating his own word in Genesis chapter 1, when he said that he gave man dominion to rule. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. There it is right there. If I'm praying with my spirit... If I'm praying in a tongue, then my spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. That's the blessing of praying in tongues, is that it bypasses your natural mind. <laughs> it takes your carnal mind out of the equation. So that God can actually pray his will through you and you don't mess it up. <laughs> because, listen, we would pray a lot of times maybe for less than what God wants to do. Oh, man. But he hits the bullseye every time. He says, so what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Let me add this uh, before we go back to Romans 8. I was talking to somebody between the two services, too, and we were talking about the fact that Paul goes on and says to pray that you may interpret because there's another level that comes out of intercession 
Because you can actually get the revelation of what you were praying in unknown tongues and God can give you direction on something that might need to be done in the natural. So it's another level even where God is revealing what needs to happen through you by praying in an unknown tongue. So back to Romans chapter 8. We established that uh, this is being praying in other tongues. And uh, it says, Now he who searches the hearts, verse 27, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2.11, it says this, that no man knows the mind of a man except the spirit that's in that man. That means that your spirit knows everything about you. It knows every thought. It even knows your motives. Because listen, our heart deceives us. And you could be doing something and you think it's for the right reason. And I'm telling you, you may have some kind of selfish motivation behind it. And the Holy Spirit, he knows everything about your spirit, even things you don't realize. He knows everything. And here's the flip side of that. The Holy Spirit knows everything about the mind of God. Oh, it says that he searches the things of God. Yes, the deep things of God. The God who knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows and has access to unlimited revelation of the mind of God. And what happens is because the spirit of God lives on the inside of us is that we have what I the Lord told me was a spiritual interface. You know, in technological uh things, Mark sitting right here, he could tell you how technologically illiterate I am. Everything technical that I need, I'm calling Mark. But I, so I looked it up after he told me that, and it actually says where, like with computers or something, when you connect them for the purpose of communication, that's what an interface is. And so God put his spirit in your spirit so that the two could connect for the purpose of communication. Oh, man. We have received a spiritual interface. So your spirit that knows everything about you and God's spirit that knows everything about God gives you access to unlimited knowledge, understanding, wisdom, revelation from the throne of God to impact your life by his will here on the earth. Man, I tell you what, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. Man. Access to the, the, the no wonder it, says, it goes on and says, we have the mind of Christ. It means we have access to it. <laughs> and so what intercession is, let's look at uh, one more verse down in 34, 834. It says, who is he who condemns? Is it, Christ, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. Who also, also, who also makes intercession for us. You know, he already told us that the Holy Spirit helps us by making intercession for us. But Jesus Christ also, seated at the right hand of God, makes intercession for us. So let me ask you this. Which is it? Is it Jesus at the right hand of God? Or is it the Holy Spirit in my spirit? Which, which one is it? It's both. 
Oh, here's the, here's the awesome revelation is that Jesus as our high priest and representative and intercessor at the right hand of God is praying by the Holy Spirit through our spirit the perfect will of God giving God legal access oh giving God legal access into our life to do things we said even though we didn't understand what it was <laughs> Oh my goodness, that is awesome. I remember hearing about a, a minister named Lance Walnov a long time, I mean, it was a few years ago. He, got, he was just a minister, but he ended up, through uh, divine connections, ended up um, being a counselor to President Trump. And he was praying one day, and he was like, Lord, how in the world did I end up in this position? To where I am connected to the president of the United States. I mean, he had the year of the president. And he's a believer, so he's able to speak on behalf of God to the highest office in the United States of America. And God said, well, every time you pray in tongues, that's what you're telling me you want to do. <laughs> you didn't get that. That went right over your head. He said, God told him, he said, well, every time you pray in tongues, that's what you've been telling me you want to do. Oh, Man, I'm telling you what, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, wants to pray through you. Here's the, here's the catch, though. The effectiveness of his intercessory ministry is depending on the faithfulness of us to yield to praying in tongues. It's dependent on our acting on it. Because listen, God doesn't make you speak in tongues. It's your choice. You can speak in English. You can speak in tongues just the same as you speak in English. If you've ever, you know, received the Holy Spirit and uh, received, and let me say not received, but acted on the gift of speaking in other tongues. Mm. That's amazing stuff. But it's dependent on our yielding to that in prayer. Because God doesn't just come on us, you know, like, and makes us pray in the Holy Spirit. No, we yield to it. We give God right of way to pray for us. And especially when we don't know what we ought to pray, but he's given us an unction to pray. Man, we need to pray in the Holy Spirit then. There are many testimonies of people, I can think of one especially where a guy was flying a plane and he ran into uh, to ice. He started collecting ice on the wings of his plane and he was trying to get through to the air traffic controllers and they were putting him off because they were busy. And uh, eventually he got through and they let him come down to another level and the ice melted off. But that's a, that could be a very you know, deadly situation. And a few days later, somebody called and said, hey, what was going on in your life at such and such time on such and such day? Because I was impressed to pray for you at that time. And, that, and they said, and I prayed in tongues until I got released from that inspiration. And they didn't even know who they were praying for, what they were praying. But God was interceding for that person 
by the Holy Spirit in that person's spirit and being able to gain legal access to bring about a supernatural move of God's will in that person's life. So not only can it affect your life, but it can affect the lives of others. God is able to use you uh, in a supernatural way. And I remember uh, when Rhonda and I were moving from Olive to Sand Springs, it's about five years ago, we were buying a house there and we were going through the process and uh, we came to the place in the negotiations. Everything was ready to go except we had, couldn't arrive at an agreement on the price. And the problem was God gave me the figure. I mean, in prayer, I got the amount that he told me to pay for the thing. And we were a few thousand dollars off. And so, you know, my wife wasn't happy about it, but I was like, well, I guess we're not buying the house because we're not going to pay more than what God said to pay. Although it wasn't really the issue of the money. Oh, man, here's the thing, guys. <laughs> Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. God wants to lead us by his spirit in our life so we end up with the results he desires for us, not for what we can produce in the natural on our own. And we may miss something. We're going to pray for less and God's wanting to give you more. <laughs> so anyway, I told her that night, I said, well, I guess we're not getting the house. And I don't know how to pray about it because I don't know what to do. The people, it, this was in 2018, so everything was going this way. And they said, you know what? Because this was in December. They said, next year, we're raising the prices $10,000, $15,000 anyway. So we don't really care if we sell it or not. So I was like, well, what are you going to do with that? So we prayed. I didn't know how to pray in the natural. So I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit. And then the next day, our realtor called us. We just met this lady. We didn't know her. And she called and she said, I... I I got an idea. She said, uh, the Lord told me to just pay the difference out of my commission. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really want you to do that. She goes, no, no. She said, I'm a believer. I know y'all are believers and you're a pastor and I'm going to sow it as a seed. And I was just like, oh my gosh, God did it in a way I never would have dreamed he would do it. And she got blessed. You know, but that wouldn't have happened by me praying in the natural. I wouldn't have known to pray, hey, God, talk to her about giving part of her commission. <laughs> Which there were multiple blessings attached to that because then once we did get the, by the house, I had no doubt. I mean, God had already told me this is where you're going to live. But it was just, it was like he showed me that he put his validation on the thing. You know, and I attribute it to praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, letting God intercede through you uh, in his perfect will, able to accomplish things in a way we could never even dream of bringing them to pass. You know, God told me, uh, if the media wants to start that pad, you can. God told me that there are people that would be here today who've never spoken tongues before. And um, so I'm going to 
give the opportunity. If the ministers would come forward, we have ministers up here. I see some new faces even in the crowd. So we usually have ministers up here at the end of service so that people can come and receive prayer or whatever we give a call for, uh, invitation of. But the Lord told me there's people here today who've never spoken tongues before. It's part of your inheritance. Do you know on the day of Pentecost, Peter said this gift, which was called the promise of the Father by Jesus. He said, it's for you and your children, your children's children, and everyone whom the Lord our God shall call. Everybody. And he said there would be people here who've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. So I wanted to make that available to you today. No pressure, uh, but it's yours to receive because on the day of Pentecost, God gave the Holy Spirit. And anybody who receives it by faith, uh, in fact, Jesus said that what father among you, if their son or their child asked for something, would he give them something else? And then he goes on and says, it's his good pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit. And then he told me this, there's another, another group. There would be people here who have spoken tongues, but maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a while since you have. And you haven't been operating in the gift of speaking in other tongues. Well, you can come up as well and stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Sometimes we need to join together with some brother or sister, you know, and come together on, on that. So we wanted to make ourselves available to you today. So I just want to ask everybody to stand. Let's just begin to worship the Lord. Just, just cultivate an atmosphere of uh, liberty in this place by giving God praise and thanksgiving. You're so good, Father God. We just thank you. I know, Father, your heart, you want to do things in people's lives today. You've spoken to me about it in regard to this supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if that's you, if you're any of those two, I want to invite you to come up and just join these people in prayer and let them uh, Believe with you to receive this gift that was purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. If there's anybody here, hallelujah. We had people come up at the first service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody, we give you glory. We give you praise. Father, you are a good father. Just thank you so much for your goodness. <laughs> Oh, it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. We thank you, Father God. Oh, we thank you for what you've poured out on us so abundantly through Jesus. We just give you glory and praise. We thank you, Lord. Oh, I command the, the enemy to shut his mouth right now and quit speaking in the ears of people, trying to talk them out of acting on this word. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. You know, what we're going to do is I'm going to also open it up for other needs. And then we're going to allow those that need to leave to leave. We're going to be up here available to you. 
if there's anybody here that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he died for you. He uh, paid for your sins. And all you have to do is to receive the free gift of righteousness. And maybe you're dealing with some kind of physical sickness or disease or addiction or disorder. These people are up here to to pray with you and to see uh, God's will established in your life on earth as it is in heaven. And his will is that you prosper and be in health according to his word. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to keep this pad playing, and these people are going to be up here. So if you need to go, you can, but we want you to come. Don't leave here without coming up and receiving personal ministry this morning. Don't leave here. Don't leave here under the oppressor, because under the new covenant, we have a comforter, and we have an intercessor, and he is ready to meet your needs He desires, the Father desires to meet your needs this morning. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. He proved it. He proved it by sending Jesus to make it possible for you to have access to the Father and to receive your needs. So if you need to leave, we're going to open that up for you to go. But if you want to stay in this atmosphere, you want to come up and receive prayer, you're able to do that at this time. Amen.